Welcome to this week's video from Bermagui Baptist Church. We hope you are both encouraged and challenged by this message. Now for me, Anzac Day always reminds me of my own family. I was, I'm, I'm privileged to be of a family line that uh, both my grandfather and my great-grandfather served in the First World War and Second World War. And um, I still remember one of the highlights of my, I was, I was privileged enough to be captain of, the, of, my, of my school when I was in year 12 up in Coffs Harbour. And one of the things that they asked me to do was to, to give a, a, a speech at the Anzac Day service that year. And I got to tell everyone about my grandfather and my great-grandfather. And even though at that point public speaking was not my thing, I stuttered and fumbled and I was all over the place. But at the same time, I just felt honoured to be able to share their memory and share their story. And for me, I do just reflect on you know, the experiences they would have gone through during those times. They're just so far beyond comprehension for, you know, for a child of you know, the modern era and the, the living in a free country where war just hasn't been a thing. You know, yeah, we've heard about it and we've seen our troops go off even you know, in, in recent times. But to have this idea of something being called a world war and seeing society as drastically impacted as it was during those times. And so it doesn't surprise me that we speak on Anzac Day about this, you know, the spirit of the Anzac. This, the, the, the tenacity and the guts and the, the de determination that the, these, these soldiers would have had to do what they did. And essentially that's what we're remembering. We're remembering the fallen on Anzac Day. Remembering what they achieved, what they sacrificed and what it stood for. They were driven by the cause of freedom from tyranny and evil and their sacrificial love for friends, family and country. And I don't know about you, but I, I like to try to put myself in the place of characters and stories and, and things like that. So during these times, I sort of think, yeah, what was it like? What was it like being there on that front line, on... In, in the heat of the battle, when things were just going absolutely crazy. I wonder how many times the diggers had to spur each other on, had to encourage each other and say, come on, mate, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. We have to keep the fight up. We've got to keep the spirits up. We've got to not give up. I wonder how often those sorts of phrases and those sorts of words were shared during those battles. And even though we may not be fighting a physical war, the fact is at times we might be facing a, a spiritual war, a spiritual battle, a personal battle. And we might just need that comrade to come alongside us and say, come on, keep pushing, never give up. And I wonder how often during those battles that it just would have felt impossible for that lonely soldier just going, wow, this is just so big, this is so vast. 
What can I do to change this? I'm not sure exactly where it came from. I don't know if it was a movie or a book or someone sharing a thought to me. But one thing that I've sort of, I guess, taken on as a bit of a mantra for myself, especially when it comes to that feeling of just going, things are just so big and so, so out of my hands. The trick is to not focus on the things that are out of our control. We need to be able to focus on the things that we can. And push comes to shove, all that really is is us. We can't control what's going on around us. But we can control and we can take control of our attitudes, of our choices, of our perspectives. And a bit like the saying goes, and this is one that I have seen in movies a number of times where someone in a battle has gone, oh, yeah, it's just so big. And the wise words from the commander or the captain and says, well, just take that next step. Or just save that one person. Don't worry about the millions. Just do it for the one. I wonder how often the diggers just got inspired because they knew that they were fighting for their family. They were fighting for their loved ones. And that was enough to motivate them to just keep pushing, to never give up. So today what I want to do is that we're going to take a break from, I started a series last week of an interview with, with uh, the Apostle John. We're going to work our way through 1 John. But today what I want to do is have a quick look at the, the character of Timothy. So my first little title there is, yeah, who is Timothy and where is he? What's, what's, what's his story? So our first reference of Timothy is actually in Acts 16 where Paul comes into the, this new area where there's already been missionary work and there's already a church established. And he meets this young disciple called Timothy. And his mother's in the church and the church speaks highly of him. And Paul obviously sees something in him and says, no, Timothy, I want you to come with me. And from then on, we start to see Timothy on journey with Paul. And at times, Paul says, no, Timothy, you're going to stay and work with Barnabas or work with one of the others, and I'll go on and do here. And other times, he's like, all right, Timothy, come back. I need you to help me with this next step. And Timothy's really threaded throughout the rest of Paul's ministry life and ministry journey. Paul, uh, Timothy gets mentioned in a number of Paul's letters, in, 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 in the, even in the introduction. Paul says, you know, high church. This is a letter from myself and Timothy. And a number of times, you know, as, as the letter formation sort of happened, uh, Paul would share, okay, well, just letting you know, Timothy's going to be coming to you in the next while, or please send Timothy to me. I need him to, to help me out with this next thing. So we see him threaded throughout Scripture. But when it comes to these letters, First and Second Timothy, they are great letters. They're, they're great encouragements and practical letters especially as a leader and a pastor, because they're, they're, they're written to the pastor of the church. Timothy, at that time, was leading the church in Ephesus. And like we know with many, well, majority of the letters in the New Testament, when letters were written, during that first century 
period, unlike us where we can just send a quick text or you know, write an email or if we want to go a bit old school, we can even write a hand letter note and send it off. We don't think much about the costs of it. But in the first century, paper was expensive. So if you had to take a piece of parchment and write a letter to a place, it had to, it was, it was, it was an investment. So it wasn't just done thriftily. It was done, okay, there's a major situation here we need to address. We need to write a letter and get it sent over to this place. So Paul is addressing some issues going on in the church in Ephesus this time. But the section I want to focus in on is not the issues that are going on, but what Paul says to Timothy to encourage him. So we're looking in 1 Timothy. So our focus text is 1 Timothy 4. So if you do have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. So leading up to this part in 1 Timothy 4, Paul is addressing some of these issues that are going on. And so he's giving good instruction, giving wise instruction. I saw saying, Timothy, in this situation, make sure you do this in these times and to these opponents and these people that are, that are, that are causing, causing issue in the church. He's saying, no, make sure you address it this way. And then he says this, 1 Timothy 4, verses 11 to 14. He says, teach these things. So all these things that Paul's been saying, teach these things. And insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith and your purity. Until I get their focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. So as I said, Paul's given all this addressing. He's still saying, okay, so make sure you teach these things. Make sure the people get it. Make sure the church understands what I'm, what I'm relaying through you to them. But then the encouragement comes. Don't let anyone despise you or look down on you because of your, of your age, because of your, your young, you're young. And at this point, Timothy, he's not, just, he's not a super young man. He's in his, in his 40s, roughly. But in the eyes of the church, he was still considered a youth. He wasn't an elder of the community. And so Paul's encouraging him, saying, don't, don't let people put you down because of a difference. Don't let people pull you down because you're not at the same level of, of them in, in their eyes. Know that, I've, that you're there for a purpose. Know that you're there for a reason. And so his encouragement is, you know, don't give up. Don't let them despise you because of this. Don't give up. Keep pushing on. And this is how you push on. Focus on what you can control. You can't control their attitudes, can you? Yeah? We face that all the time, don't we? People come at us with things, people throw things at us, they, they 
you know, say things about us, they whatever. And we can't control that. We can't control people's attitudes towards us. What we can control, though, is ours. What we can take command over is our response. And so Paul says, don't, don't let them despise you because of your youth. Do this. Be an example in your words and your actions. Let's focus on those two first. So he's saying, yeah, be an example. Show them what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Show them what that sounds like in your speech. And the language behind this is, is, is not just speech in public. It's just your private language as well. Make sure the, the words you say over yourself, make sure the words you say when no one's around, make sure they're wholesome as well. Make sure they're bringing life because they're the ones you're hearing. I don't know about you, I'm, I'm, I'm a self-talker. I walk around the house and I say, oh, I should do this and do that. I've sort of got, got, got my own voice going on. And even myself, I have to pull myself up sometimes because all of a sudden I realise, oh, hang on, no, I don't need to be hearing that. I don't, I don't need to be saying these things. I've got to make sure I'm speaking life into myself. Timothy is being encouraged to have integrity in his words, following the instructions from Christ himself in Matthew 5, 37. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say something, do your darndest to to, to hold to that word. And in your actions, in the way you live, in your conduct, right words need to be matched with right actions. So Paul is encouraging Timothy, you know, make sure your words line up publicly and privately, but make sure your actions line up to your words. You know, James, when he's speaking about, you know, this, living this life of faith, in James chapter 2, verse 17, he says, you know, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So it's one thing to say, oh yeah, I have faith and I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. Make sure it's evident in the way you act. Make sure it's evident in the way we carry ourselves in our lives. And so Paul's not sort of saying, well, Timothy, you know, try and control these people or try and manipulate these people or, you know, manipulate the situations or change the situations. No, he's just saying, no, you just do what you can do. Look after yourself. Look after your choices and your actions. Be an example there. And he lists three other things, you know, in your words, in your conduct, in your faith, in your love. And finishes with purity. I was going to tie these together. You know, faith and love really are almost these foundational points of what it means to be a believer, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We are called to love as Christ does. You know, we, we shared that in the, in the first reading and during communion as well. And throughout his letters, Paul references this greatest commandment that Jesus declared in Matthew 22. Jesus himself said, all the laws hinge on this one thing. Love God. Love your neighbour. And faith is equally important. Our very existence as believers is because of faith. We have faith that God does exist, that God is sufficient, that God has provided a way for us to find eternal life through the person of Jesus Christ. 
And Paul would have taught these things to Timothy. You know, Timothy was his, his protege. He was, it was, he was, Timothy was Paul's disciple. So when Paul writes things that sort of say, imitate me as I imitate Christ, that was Timothy. He sort of say, no, come on, do what I'm doing. Look at my example. And it was keeping the faith. It's not just having faith, saying, yeah, I've got faith. Keeping faith, keeping pushing on and never giving up in that choice. Fighting the good fight, as Timothy would say. And the last one, purity. Purity can really be linked to righteousness. Righteous living, holy living. And this is a theme that's actually threaded throughout Scripture. You know, even right back to the original law written in Leviticus 11.45, you know, God says, be holy as I am holy. And so this links into all the points being made. You know, be righteous in your words and your actions. Live a righteous, holy life in love and faith. And essentially what Paul is saying is, yeah, make sure that you don't lose the position you've got in that sense. Timothy had, had earned this right to speak to the church and to lead the church. And so Paul is saying, don't disqualify yourself. Keep the faith. Stay pure. And the next bit that Paul encourages them in, he says, be an example. So I think we get that. The next point he shares is, uh, until I get there, focus on these things. Read the scriptures in public to the church. Preach and teach. And it really is linked to the last verse in that section I read, where it says, do not neglect the spiritual gifts. That God's, been, that's what God's given you. So Paul's encouraging him to do the gift he's got. He's obviously been gifted to be a, a preacher and a teacher. And the reason why he says, you know, don't, you know, make sure you're reading the, the scriptures in public is because in the church in that era, majority of the people couldn't read. And the written word in that time actually didn't have punctuation. The way the Greeks wrote their, their, their words, it literally was just word, 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 word. And the punctuation and, the, and the, the emphasis on the way it was written had to be presented by someone reading it out loud. Unlike now where we have books with punctuation in it, we can sort of see, oh, that's how it's supposed to be read. The punctuation and the emphasis is actually from being read aloud. And there's two points there. Yeah, make sure you're preaching or encouraging the church, encouraging the believers. And essentially, that's what preaching is. And it links with teaching. You know, as, a, as a preacher, I want to teach good doctrine and good theology through the Word of God. But the preaching aspect of it is encouraging you with it and spurring you on to, to follow it and making it applicable to you. That's the role of preaching. I could just sit here and read out a theological statement to you. That would just be teaching. 
and you say, this is what it says, make sure you do it. But to preach it is to encourage it, to sort of say, no, come on, do you get what we're saying? Do you see how this applies to our lives now, today? And I believe it is a gift that God's given me. And I think that's the same thing Paul's highlighting to Timothy here. And so again, it's part of this thing of, you know, what, what can you take command over? What can you take control of? Well, what, what, what has God given you? What gifting and, and, and calling has God given you at this time? If that's to just, you know, connecting with the, the community you're in and the family and the, the, the friends you've got and just being that, that absolute person of faith and light in that situation, then do it. If your gift is to, to encourage and to, to be just a, a person of faith and hope, do it. That's your gifting. You can, you can step out and do that no matter what the situation is. If your gift is prophecy, if your gift is to sow a, a real word in season, do it. If it's being generous, do it. You know, look for those opportunities. Oh, yeah, I, can, I can give here. I can, I can be helpful here. So Paul's sort of saying, you know, yes, there's issues. Yes, there's things going on around you. But just do these things. Focus on what you can do. Be a person of an example and do what you've been called to do. Do what you've been gifted to do. So that verse 14, you know, do not neglect the spiritual giftings received through prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. He's calling back to remembrance to Timothy. He's also saying, remember. Remember what God said over you through prophecy. Remember what the elders of the church agreed in and put their hands on you and, and, and demonstrated. Because the laying on of hands, it's a, it's a symbol. There's nothing, there's nothing magical or, or super spiritual in that sense of laying on of hands. Scripture tells us to do that when we pray for people at times. But it is also a demonstration. So I say, no, we are praying. And when those prayers are spoken over that person, there's an there's a emphasis on that. That's a that's prophetic prayer over that person. That it's a word in season, a word from God for that person. So Paul's going, Timothy, just remember what has been said over you. Calling back to remembrance. Remember why you're doing what you're doing. I think sometimes we do get lost in the reasons why we do what we do. Because things get noisy, things get crazy around us. I know about you, I reckon the Anzacs would have felt that at times. Things would have been crazy, things would have been just absolutely chaotic. And I reckon there would have been words and seasons at times during those battles of people just saying, no, nah, remember why we're here. Remember why we're here. Paul was encouraging Timothy to focus on what he could control. His attitudes, his choices, his words, his actions, his ministry focus, his giftings. All too often we can get lost in the noise of trial and tribulation, get lost in the largeness of the struggles we face. When all we need to do is keep it simple, focus on our relationship with Jesus, and what that looks like in our words and actions, in our love and faith, 
and keep stepping out in the gifts that God's given us. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for today and I thank you for this word, Lord God, that you've just presented through me, Lord God. And I pray, God, that as we do go about, Lord God, whatever it is that's next on our journey, whether things are just going well and smooth sailing, Lord God, I pray that we can just continue to, to lead and be examples, Lord God, of faith and love. Be examples of, of righteousness, Lord God, in the way we conduct ourselves. And Lord God, if there are struggles that people are facing, Lord God, I pray that they can be encouraged to never give up, to keep pressing on, to keep the faith and do what they can do, Lord God, which is to keep ourselves in the right position, keep ourselves with the right perspective. I thank you for this church, Lord God, and I pray, God, as we do go out for the rest of this day, Lord God, and be a part of our community, Lord God, during this commemoration of Anzac Day, Lord God. I pray, God, that we can just be people that just speak absolute hope and faith. In your wonderful name, Lord. Amen.